It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Broadcasting from the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. we got a number of those emails we're going to get to a little bit later in the show. But first, uh, Brian is out on the road once again. And uh, I'm going to give him the first shot here at talking. What are you thinking, Brian? What What are you noticing out on the road today? For our region, so we farm in southeast South Dakota, but in the last couple of days, I've been all across South Dakota, southern Minnesota, northern Iowa. Overall, I mean, the crop looks good. It's just very dry. So got a little bit of moisture this morning. Um, not enough quarter inch for a lot of people or less. So we're, we had 90 degree temps all week this week, which was 15 to 20 degrees above normal. We're looking at 90s again next week. So when we're that much above normal, we've had almost no rain, I mean, for a really long time. It's everybody's starting to panic. I, I mean, right now, things are great. Everything looks good. I mean, for the most part, corn, soybeans are the main crops in the areas that I've looked at. And it, it's good. It's just... I am seeing some issues with carryover, not a lot, but Flexstar carryover into corn and HPPD carryover into soybeans. And this is stuff we talk about all the time on the show. You know, we do worry an awful lot about carryover because we're in a drier area of the country and we're also in a colder area of the United States. So we do have to worry about these things more than many other regions. And it's also why with a lot of our recommendations and things we talk about on the show, I mean, there will be people that say, well, how about this product or how about this rate or whatever? And we're like, well, yeah, I mean, four years out of five or nine years out of 10, it's fine. Well, this is the one year out of five or the one year out of 10 where it's not fine. You got to be a little bit careful with that. The other thing I was just talking to an agronomist who said a lot of his farmers are backing off even using products like Warrant, Dual, Outlook, Zidua, post-emergent soybeans because, well, there's no rain in the forecast. It's like, well, they're residual herbicides. They're not going to disappear on you. It's just if it doesn't rain, you know, in the next few days, if it rains 10 days from now, you're still going to get performance out of that product 10 days from now. You don't have to worry about the loss. It's not like you're spraying trifluralin out there where it's going to disappear on you in a couple of days. So anyway, I, I mean, a lot, a lot of worry. But nevertheless, there's still a lot of optimism just because so far crop looks great. Roots are going deep. Crop prices are good. Uh, every acre got planted this year. So anyway, we'll we'll see how things shake out here. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need some rain here pretty soon. Well, there's no doubt about that. We need the moisture. But you look out in some of these fields right now, and I agree with you. It looks surprisingly good for where we're at right now. It's kind of nice to have a little cooler day for once to get a little bit of break from the heat. Oh. Wait, wait, wait! You just said surprisingly good. That's where I'm gonna disagree. I, You're not surprised. Telling everybody, you don't need no, you don't need much moisture at all to get a tiny little crop started. What we need is now where knee high, we have knee high corn. It's going to go to shoulder high in two weeks. Now we are going to need the moisture. Now we need the nutrients. It's just like soybeans. There are beans that were planted two months ago. Two months ago, where they aren't bigger than about four inches tall. How much moisture does a four inch tall soybean plant need? Not much, but. You, I mean, it's coming up here yet. 
So I, I actually prefer it dry early so the roots go deep. That's good. It's just now we've got to start getting some timely rains and not a quarter inch. I'm talking an inch or two. Otherwise, we're going to knock a lot of yield potential off the top. All right. So we get we got a number of questions, Brian, in the mailbag. You ready for one of those? Go ahead. It's the mailbag. Is that Graham hitting that? Is Graham playing our music today? Our nephew Graham is back in the control studio, and he likes that, I think. I think he likes that song. All right. So first He's of all, 11, <laughs> by the way. Just barely yeah. 11, just this week. All right, but it was good. It was worth it. Graham turned 11. We got uh, some birthday cookies that he brought in for us. That was pretty nice of him. So, okay, um, this one comes from Marty. He's, he's got a drain tile question. He goes, okay, so drain tile, the way I understand it, takes care of the water table. My question is, if I've got standing water on the grade, how do I deal with that? I, are you suggesting that none of that is going to move through the soil to the tile, or how long is it going to take to reach my tile, for example, when I get a one-inch rainfall? Standing water on the grade. So in other words, we're, are we saying here, am I, am I misinterpreting this? Are we saying the ground is flat, so how long is it going to take for that water to go down to the tile line. Is that the question? I think so. I, I think that's how I understand okay, okay. it. Marty, Marty, if it's different than okay. that, you'll have to let us know. Okay. So every soil is going to vary. I mean, it all depends on how heavy that soil is. The higher the cation exchange capacity, the longer it's going to take for that water to get down. Also, the more compaction you have, the longer it's going to take for that water to get down. But the whole point here is we don't want – what we're most interested in is subsurface water. So I realize as a farmer, and I mean, we farm lots of ground too, and, and so you see water standing, so that's your number one concern. I get that. That's not the number one concern for the crop. The crop needs air in the soil. The crop doesn't really care if there's water standing on, on the ground or, or not. Either way, I mean, if your water table is all the way to the soil surface, you're in bad, bad shape because that means you have no air and no life in that soil. You're going to kill all, all your aerobic microbes. You're going to kill off your roots. It's not a good situation. Plus the fact that like yesterday when I was driving through South Dakota, I saw all these spots that used to have water problems. Well, of course they don't this year because we're in a drought, but all those spots were dead because of salt. So you want water to flow through and then salts and everything else also flow through the system. So no, it's a good thing when you put those tile lines in there, but in terms of how fast going to vary depending on the soil. So what we say is you need lines that are closer together, the heavier your soil is. All right. Thanks for the question, Marty. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of things to learn about how drainage works, how water moves through soil. So really appreciate those questions. And if there's anything around any agronomic concept that you're struggling to understand, we sure take your questions at any point. Radio at agphd.com is our email. You can always call us 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back after this. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. That means our phone lines are open all throughout the show here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Steve on with us right now up in the state of New York. Steve, thanks for calling. How are you doing? Um, pretty good. Pretty humble. Um, I got to say, 25 years, going on 26, plant corn and um this is my turn in the barrel, and it was total planter error. Um, everybody going different directions, uh, planting corn and beans at the same time, trying to do hay, and me as the owner didn't get out and check seed depth. So we had a uh, unbelievably dry, warm March and April, and then two weeks of rain in May. So got a little nervous, and then as soon as the weather came off where we could – start planting went too fast and never went got back out and checked uh seed depths and um those type things so it's um a bit bittersweet very hot very dry for what we're used to in the east this early uh so on a year like this um you can make a lot of mistakes and this is our turn so good news is got hay off early so we were short on planting acres for soybeans but because the hay came off so early we're now no-tilling uh, soybeans in. But again, the soil, uh, we've had four-tenths of rain in uh, not quite five weeks, four and a half weeks. So very unusual for us. A couple of days in the 90s, a lot of days in the high 80s. So um, it's it just, I couldn't wait to tell you guys what a mistake I made. <laughs> you know, it happens. It does. I've talked to a lot of farmers already that have said, you know what, I messed up with this. And a lot of it ends up being technology related too. But uh, you're right. When we get in a rush, we get in a hurry. Uh, things, things definitely can go wrong fast, especially as fast as we're putting crop in the ground right now. How long does it take you to plant the whole crop, Steve, on your farm if you have no weather delays? Um, if we go right at corn where we're not doing multiple planters, we can be done in three days wow. 
uh, reasonable three, th- yep. three days. But then we, you know, we're, and we're not we're not huge acres on corn because we have five way rotations. We do corn, beans, barley, alfalfa, and wheat. So, um, but just corn itself. So, and there's no, there was no reason except being excited. I got a new planter this year, watching it go. And these the, the guys that are working for me, they're they're uh, you know they're mature people that know what they're doing. I. I you, should, you need to check on everything, every little mistake. But I, you know, I, I thought I don't have to. These guys have been doing it longer than I've been. But it's just my turn in the barrel. <laughs> yep, it sure is. So you got to eat crow for a year. But what does it look like? I mean, does it look like you're still going to have something decent, or does it look like it's suffering already, or anything like that? Um, it's funny because of, and I look across the whole country, countryside where we live, you know, whole, our whole region germination spotty because again it was wet for a little bit probably got some crusting over but most of it was uh, it was wet and cool so people planted a bit shallow and didn't get a great seed depth so we're all in this together but as a whole i'm not going to have the best i don't believe i have the best corn crop i've ever had but i'm going to have a good one bean crop looks super barley crop looks super um we are chopping our, our last bit of alfalfa tonight and that looks very heavy and, and lush so without a blossom so there's a lot of winds uh, a lot of good things to talk about out here it's just um you know how it works corn is that corn is king and it's the pride thing and some of my best fields are next to the road so I'm sure I'm going to be at the diner and taking a few <laughs> shots. Yeah. yeah, well, at least at least you're prepared for it, Steve. I guess that's the best a guy could do right now. Well, hey, uh, We're all, and then nobody can say when we go to the coffee shop, their crop is any better or worse than it because we all got yeah. some blanks in the fields and some skips. So. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, Steve, <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate the call. Good luck here. Hopefully the rains keep coming for you and, and you're able to do really well. Thanks, guys. I love the format. Thanks for being there. Oh, you bet. Thanks. I've got Ralph with us right now, also up in the state of New York. Ralph, how are you doing? Good, Darren. How are you? Not too bad. So are you guys on the dry side, too, where you're at? Uh, he must be from western New York, that guy, because we, we picked up rain here the day before yesterday. We got an inch and two-tenths at the main farm, and all the ground got between four and six-tenths, the rest of it. So we're we're in good shape. We were bone dry, though, before that, but we're in good shape now. Yeah, it's fun when you finally get something. We got uh, a quarter inch or less today, but we got something. That was nice. We haven't seen clouds in weeks, so that was kind of nice even just to see the clouds for a little bit. But I'm assuming your crop looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah really good, Darren. We we started doing strip towing this year for the first time, and uh, it took a little time because there's only three of us on the farm. But it, it worked out well, and we didn't get our beans planted as quick as possible. But the, the corn's all up. The last corn's probably about four or five inches tall, and it looks really good. Good stands, good color from putting that extra fertilizer down next to the rows there. And, and the soybeans look really good, too. Great stands of soybeans. So awesome. no, no problems here for us this year. Very good. Very good. Okay, what's next then? Do you got more spraying to do right now? You got some side dressing? What, what do you got next on the agenda? We're uh, the ground, the corn fields that did not get the strip tilling, they, they're going to finish up side dressing on that this afternoon. And then we'll come back with wide drops when the corn gets knee high to waist high, something like that. And uh, spraying's been a problem. We were so dry, we, we dropped the residuals out of the corn spray. And now we've got some problems in corn fields. Some mare's tails slipped through. We, we don't know why, but two years in a row now, we haven't been able to control the mare's tail. And we're going back and respraying the beans where the mare's tail's really bad today. 
and we've been doing it. We should finish maybe Sunday, Monday, something like that. Yeah, I like reduced tillage a lot. I don't like that Mare's Tail does too. <laughs> that's that's one of the yeah, challenges. Yeah. I, I think honestly, I think that's probably the biggest weed we see in our area when guys go to reduce till. Mare's tail's the one that, that all of a sudden becomes enemy number one. Yeah, and for us this year, we we've had, you know, when those beans get up there waist high and you start seeing mare's tail pop out in individual plants. But for some reason this year we have patches in the soybean fields following the cornfields. They're just solid patches, and if we don't get it under control, there's not going to be beans in those areas. So we've, we've got to get a handle on it. All right, you mentioned the the split shotting of nitrogen for fertility out. That you got some wide dropping coming up. And we've been talking a lot in our area. Guys have been waiting until rain was imminent in the forecast. They're like, "Yeah, we aren't going to need the nitrogen if we don't get the rain." And number two, we're going to lose it if we don't get the rain to get it in. So I'm betting you're pretty happy yep. with that rain for for. Uh, protecting and and putting that nitrogen you already had out there to work absolutely yep we needed this rain bad and it, it was a lifesaver so outstanding yep. you know how it is you you always think your neighbors i've been hauling corn and my neighbors say well you guys been getting all the rain well no we haven't you've been getting the rain up there and you know finally we got the rain here where they thought we were getting it all along and we weren't but now we did and, and that's it's worth everything all right so yeah. we get a lot of questions about family farms from from our non-farm listeners and one of them that they they mention is man it looks like there are several people on each of these operations how many people if you said i could just have however many people to work that i want how many would you have you said you only got three working on the farm would you like to have five would it, would you have plenty of work for five to do or just seasonal we we it, it has to be seasonal but we would need a shadow for each one of us because there's there's always something you just can't get done in a day when you're the only one doing something and, and we we would need three more people but we we make out, you know, we, we went to no-tilling because of the help. We didn't want to have a labor situation, so we went to no-tilling, and we've been happy with it. We've been doing no-till since 86, and we're happy. But we, we felt we had to start strip-tilling, and that, that's throwing a monkey wrench. That takes another person to run that tractor. And, sure and you know the thing about the strip-tilling, Darren, it, it took us from we were less than two gallons of diesel fuel per acre per year from planting through harvest. And the, the one tractor running that strip-till machine sucked up a whole gallon per acre. So our fuel has gone up by 50% just because of strip-tilling. But it's worth it, we think. We, we really think it's worth it. Yeah, we've liked it here, too. It's been good for erosion reduction. We sure like having that fertility in the row on years like this. It's, it's really paid for us. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully you see the same difference that we're seeing. We hope so. We're counting on it. So You bet. Well, stay in touch, Ralph. Good talking to you again, and, and good luck. Hopefully the rains keep coming for you. So You too. I hope we see you guys sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio, and it's really fun here in the Morton studio to talk to you. We, we love hearing how things are going on your farm. We love if you have agronomic questions to help as well. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. 
Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other Phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help. My favorite day of the week, it's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show. It's easy. Just dial 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can talk to us, give us a, give us an agronomic question, or just give us an update about how things are going. Maybe you got some rain last night, like we did, and you're super excited. It is a good thing. All right, let's head down to Iowa. We've got Jim with us right now. Jim, did you guys catch some rain? Yeah, we caught a little bit of rain late this morning. Some of my fields got three tenths, and some of my fields got a uh, trace. Barely put any puddles in my driveway at my house. Yep. Well, that's that's 2021, isn't it? <laughs> we oh, don't yeah. have yeah, don't have a lot of moisture to get excited about. But my brother was trying to talk me off the ledge. He's like, Darren, we still have time. The crop is still relatively small. You know, it just needs to start up here in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully, he's right. Well, I hope so, too. We're going to need a lot of timely rains for us to, I feel, at least um, get trendline yields right now. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I, we've done some digging, though, in our area, and man, the root systems are unusually deep. Now, obviously, that's because it's been hot and dry, so maybe that plays out in our favor going forward, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, okay, so what, what else is happening on the farm, Jim? Are you guys side dressing yet in your country, or, or what are farmers up to? Yeah, there's, I mean, they're, they've, they've finished up um, herbicides on corn. I just finished up doing a full air application on corn. Corn really has skyrocketed up in height in this week with the heat. Uh, some guys have already gone into uh, getting the herbicide on beans. Side dressing-wise, yeah, they're getting it done now. Um, if they don't get it done this week, uh, I think it's going to get a little too tall for them. Yeah, it's just crazy. Once it gets to that height, then it just explodes. And good and bad. A lot of risk then for wind, too. Did you catch that bad wind that went through last year? Or that stayed south of you? That stayed south of me about 30 miles. I was really lucky because those guys down there are really fighting a mess this year with volunteer corn. And it's just a solid mat of volunteer corn wherever it went down. Yeah, we're getting a lot of volunteer corn questions, and you're right. That's that's a big part of that, where the weather disasters were last year. Uh, how about in your area now this year with the dry weather that you've had? Did the prees work good, or did you see a lot of broadleaf weeds coming through in your post-corn sprays? To be honest, I felt pretty good with what I have. Um, I didn't see a lot of broadleafs. I mean, yeah, you had your little patches that you normally have, but I thought they held fairly well. We had some timely rains right after we were sprayed that um, we're able to get it incorporated fairly well. I mean, obviously, we'd like to have it more rain to kind of light it up again. But uh, so far, everything's been looking pretty good other than a lot of volunteer corn. Sure, sure. Yep. Okay. Uh, here's the other thing. We've got a lot of growers spraying Extend and Enlist products, and there's quite a bit of antagonism with the volunteer corn products. What kind of beans have you got out there? extend flex and i'm debating whether i need to pull pull the um the corn herbicide out or corn killer out of it uh and make it a second application or not i just don't know what i'm going to do i'm going to start spraying first part of next week if the weather is correct okay which volunteer corn herbicide do you like or are you open to trying something different well I, anything that let's put it this way if, <laughs> if i could find one that would work on one path <laughs> That would be the product I use. I, I, I think I'm probably going to end up using uh, Fusillade. Okay, okay. Well, then you're picking the right product. Uh, that's the one we've seen the best luck with. To to a slightly lesser degree, the Assure 2 chemistry has worked. The one that's really been failing with all the calls we've got around the country has been Clethodim, and that's the weakest of the volunteer corn products. But if there isn't a lot of antagonism, like say you're mixing it with just Roundup, well, it works pretty good. But with 2,4-D or dicamba, guys are increasing the rate as much as 50% to, to get similar results. So, yeah, I, I would still increase the rate a little bit on the Fusillade, but it, it's been working a lot better. Yeah, I know I didn't use enough last year. Um, the rate I used last year was not enough to do the job, and I'm pretty sure this year when I pick up product, it's it's probably going to be at least another 15 to 25% more. Yep, yep. Yeah, the other thing that we've heard a lot of tips on have been has been crop oil. That crop oil in the mix has made a big difference to getting those products to work, especially with the drier conditions. Are you hearing much from guys with more crop oil or getting a lot more burn or not? They definitely are getting a little more crop response. And it was worse early when 
the crop hadn't hardened off quite as much. We're, we're not hearing it as much now this last week. It seems like the crop is kind of getting used to 95 degrees every day. And, and the waxy uh, surface on the outside of the leaves is really built up. So that has lessened the off-target injury or the, the injury on the crop. So it, it's still there. You still notice it. I know for, for us, we saw speckling on leaves, not terrible, not like we had put uh, a high rate of Flexstar or a high rate of Cobra in or something like that. But we, we did see it on the beans, but it wasn't terrible. Okay. Well, it'll be, uh, obviously we get heat coming back in again next week. So it's going to be some early morning of spray and we'll see how they look by that, that late that afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, Jim. Really, really appreciate talking to you. And, and yeah, hopefully you can do it all in one pass. That should be nice. All right. Thank you, Darren. You bet. Thanks. Let's head out to North Carolina. Got William on with us right now. Thanks for calling in, William. How you doing? I'm good, Darren. Hey, so count me as a new farmer because I did I, I quit farming and went in the military when I was 18. And for 42 years, I did other stuff. I didn't quit farming. I just don't farm high scale. So I want to ask you a couple questions real quick. I got a, right now I'm looking at 109 acres. It looks like I got some, I'm going to be getting into some wetlands as I was telling Janelle. Okay. But I know from walking the property that what they had done was they had a lot of old growth and they went out there and they took it out. They took all the timber, just like, I mean, 90, 96% of the timber that was in there was like really old stuff and they got it. They took it. So they put shrubs. Well, you and I probably, I don't know what you call it. I call it pine shrubs because they're not very big right now. But uh, I guess my question to you, one fella, of course, you know, he's a he's a landscaper. He wants to go in and just bulldoze. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want to bulldoze. I, I really don't think I want to do that. What do you think? Should I just go in and pull them shrubs one at a time because I'm going to plant? Really, like I'm going to put, a, like, you know, everybody's down that way there. I'm, I'm looking at probably putting uh, either soybeans, corn, uh, alfalfa, I don't know, whatever grows good down in North Carolina. But as far as that wet, the wet areas, I'm I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm going to talk to a, a conservation fellow there in the Elizabeth City area and see if he can help me. But I thought maybe I'd ask you to confirm my statement that I'm not going to bulldoze that property. You know, it's the, it's it's sure it's sure up to you how you want to do that. Uh, but yeah, you're gonna have to deal with those shrubs if you want to have it, have it be crop growth. As far as as spraying it out, uh, the if you said your only option is spraying it out, the product I'd look at would be Remedy. If you were gonna have to dig those shrubs out anyway, which if they they got a little bit of size to them, you're gonna have to do something with them, whether they're dead or or alive. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't right know how many there are. Very alive. Oh, thousands. There's, like I say, it's 100. Right now it's 218, and I got access to 109. It looks like there's about good three acres of what you and I would probably rate as wet, as wetlands. Not, okay. You know, it's not knee-deep, but it's pretty wet. So I don't know. I was going to dig that part out and see if I could just make a, you know, make me a trench or something to capture the water. You know, like a, 
uh, field bay, if you will, or sure. something. Sure. And then and then start putting something in on the side of that. So, but I, as I said, not to bore you, but I really ain't comfortable with the bulldozing. I was thinking maybe I'd take a tractor and pull each one of those trees out and then just you know, put the dirt back what I can and clean off the bottoms and get all the roots and everything and throw it, you know. Sure. And use it for, grind it up and use it for uh, for maybe uh, ground, uh, you know, some kind of a composting or something. Sure, absolutely. Well, if you could do it that way and that's a manageable way to go, that's what I would do. Uh, thanks, William. Really appreciate the call. Stay tuned. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Revitech Fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. It's 
Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Kansas. we got Kenny on with us right now. Kenny, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. How are you doing, Darren? Not too bad. we got a quarter inch of rain. That's the best thing we've had to brag about here for quite a while. How are things going down there? Oh, we're, we're kind of... You know, it was wet, it was dry, then it was wet, 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 and then uh, uh, now we're, man, we got this heat wave coming in here, and things are drying out in a hurry, but we got a pretty good shot of rain this evening, so I'm hoping that's, we actually do get a half inch or so, but. Yes, and, and none of the bad stuff either. There's been too much of that going around already this year. Yeah. What, which crap yeah. looks the best, would you say, that you've got right now? Um... We don't have any. Our our corn got drowned out, so we're we're just getting fired up to plant soybeans. Okay. But uh, we didn't we didn't have any winter wheat out. All right. So talk to me about the soybeans. Then what do you see out in those fields? Are they clean now that that the flood came through, or are their weeds already starting to pop up? Oh, they're a mess. They're a mess. Yep. So yeah, what wasn't really a, wasn't really a flood. We just had a rain every day for two weeks right after they was planted, after the corn was planted. So gotcha. The place we had a stand was on top of the terraces. Yep, yep. Nice uh, spots and such. But all right. So do you put a pre out ahead of these beans, or are you just going to get them in the ground and then start yeah, spraying? Yeah, no. Nah, we're we're going to burn do a burn down with a pre in it, and clean everything up. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's the soybean thing has been interesting. Is it mostly Palmer in your area, or is it something else? Yeah, that's it. That's our toughest, for sure. It's the Palmer, um, and just regular redwood pigweed's been pretty rough for us too. I mean, we've been on dicamba the last couple of years, and that's that's definitely been a godsend for us. But okay, yeah, extend soybeans. It, uh, and what maturity group do you plan? Are you guys late threes where you're at, or uh, late fours, early fives? Oh wow, okay. Oh, I didn't realize that you were that quite that late. Okay, uh, so yeah, we're we're down in the southeast corner. So yep. So when you think about a mid June planting, are, are there normally beans going in this time after wheat yet, or are we still a little bit away from? Oh that? yeah, we're. You know, here you either plant your, you either plant a real short season bean in April, or wait and plant your full season beans at the end of May, first of June. Okay. So, I, I used to have a landlord. Oh, when I when I first started farming, he's an old old guy, you know, and he always wanted his beans planted somewhere around the fifteenth of June. If I if I could get, you know, within two or three days of the 15th of June, he was tickled to death because at that time we was planting all fives to mid-five beans. And, you know, he always had a bean crop. Just It was just, it was late enough, and we'd get past that summer heat before they went to blooming and, and setting pods and stuff as a general rule. Yeah, that timing around the heat is really interesting, and I know there was a big push this year. A lot of guys trying to plant earlier than they had ever planted before with the idea that, man, if we could get them in a little earlier, maybe we can beat that heat when we're flowering. And, beat the heat. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yep. So yeah, trying to yeah. trying to fall on one side of that or the other is is sometimes tricky. I mean, especially right now, we've had so much heat so early this year in our area. Have you guys had yeah. that too? Um. No. Last week we was wearing hoodies. Now now we're burning up. <laughs> it, it went from literally highs in the sixties to highs in the nineties. Wow. Yep. yep. Yeah, we don't even know where sweatshirts are here. <laughs> We've been ninety five degrees, it seems like, <laughs> forever, so which is really yeah, unusual for us. We're not we're not yeah, set for that. Strange. No, no, not at all. Nope. Well, good luck to you, Kenny. Good luck as you get those soybeans in. Oh, I, I guess the one good thing about it, as we're as we're getting a little bit later, you got a pretty good flush of pigweed started. So if we can wipe out at least yeah. one flush before yeah. we even have crop in the field, that's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be that'd be good. I'm hoping we can just nail them all at one time and get the beans up. We we will plan on 15 inch rows and probably plan on seven and a halves too. Okay. This year, since we're since our corn got wiped out, we're going to have quite a few acres of beans. So. You bet. You bet. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kenny. Really appreciate it. Good luck All to right. you. All right. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Have a good one. You too. Uh, let's head over to Minnesota. Got Jeremy out with us right now. Jeremy, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing today? Not too bad. All right. I understand you guys are uh, talking about side dressing. Yeah, got the, some lighter ground that I want to come back and side dress. Um, it's, uh, well, between like the, we put the, with the planter and uh, broadcast and then incorporated, we could probably got about 100 pounds of nitrogen on with that. Um, and then I'm figuring I'm going to get from the organic matter and then actually some AMS. I'm figuring I'm, you know, another 50 pounds coming available slowly, I guess, uh, this summer. Okay. Um, on the... On that ground, it's ten around ten cc ground. Okay. And I'm looking to, on average, get another hundred pounds of nitrogen on there for side dress. But I was thinking about this time, but since we're so dry, I'm not sure if I should go out there and you know fluff the ground up with the bar and would that try it out worse or should I? Since I got some nitrogen out there to get me through a while, can I? Wait for the corn to get taller, or get I, a better. Wait for a better chance of rain and broadcast urea. Or that is the million dollar question right now: is when is it actually going to rain? Because yeah, we've talked to so many farmers that say, "I'm going to time it. I'm going to time it. I can get over this many acres in <laughs> in two or three days." And when I see that rain is imminent in the forecast, I'm I'm going to start rolling because if we don't get the rain. We're just going to lose it, and and we may not have a great crop because this ground that you got, this is dry land ground. You're talking. Yep. 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 Dry land, ten cec. You're going to need some rain mid season. So, yeah, you almost want to see the rain a little bit before you get too crazy. Right. Then it's getting to be the time, you know. I should, you know, to get that hydrus on to get through the corn, and I don't know. I said, I don't know how long you can really wait for that, because some guys say if you wait too long for the leaves, they you know, start camping it over. Um, they say the roots are in between the rows, and you yes. start pruning off too many roots. Yep, yep. Um, well, then, like I said, if it's dry like that, I don't want to fluff the ground up and dry it out, or I don't know if an hydrus makes that worse or not. But. So two things that, that we did on our farm, and, and you can see if you think this would be a good idea for you, but we did some digging to see where the roots were at. We started right in the dead center of the row. We were in 30-inch rows just to see how many roots are actually getting out to the middle, how much would we actually prune off because we wanted to use coulters to put, put stuff on too because we just weren't confident we were going to get the rain, but we really felt like we needed to get going. 
And then the other thing that we did is we did some pre-side dress nitrate tests. So basically pulling soil cores, just sending them in for nitrate tests. It's only like five bucks a sample. So it's really cheap. And we actually were surprised in a number of our fields. We had more nitrogen out there than we thought. And to the point where even Brian, my brother, who I claim is a nitrogen addict, even my nitrogen addict brother was like, you know, maybe we don't need any more out there. And that was the best news for my pocketbook all year. Right, right. <laughs> well, and like I said, you know, I got, I know I went between what I put or got out there already. I know I got enough to get me through a while yet, but um, I don't know. The co-op said they could get up to six foot tall corn if they want to come back inside dress, but I don't know, you know, if I should put that. I guess with that being that tall of corn and uh, broadcasting urea over the top of that, I, you get more worried about that being in the world. Yeah, bigger, I don't like that. Nope, for dry land, I just don't like uh, it. I'm not a big fan. I, I, I'm more of a fan of uh, if they've got a Hagee machine with the Coulters, that's what we're going to be running. Uh, that that works yeah. well, or or even a wide drop if you know you're going to catch some rain. I I think I'd switch up right. what I was doing. But if you want to do the anhydrous on some and say, okay, I'm going to spread my risk out. I'll I'll do a field or two with the anhydrous now, and that's in a good form of nitrogen that's going to stick around for me. Great, and then maybe consider doing some more later on if if it works for you. Because yeah, light ground. I'm I'm a little nervous. That, that you're either going to lose it or you're just not going to need it. Hey, Jeremy, we got to run, but thank you so much. Really appreciate the call, and good luck to you. Hopefully you just get some rain. Then then you wouldn't have to worry and debate as much. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A history of success means proven performance, but let's call performance what it is, profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high yield toolbox. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got George on up in Michigan. George, how's it going? Well, it's not going too bad. Just got another side dress question. Okay, great. Uh, we've been putting KTS on both sides of the row, depends uh, on soil tests. Five ten gallons per acre, and of course, with uh, everything being limited, we we couldn't put it on everything because they didn't have the product. Now that we got the product, I just wondered about uh, what's the best way to put it on with a colder or y drops. Well, I I honestly like the y or the colder a little bit better for the potassium. Uh, have you got irrigation on this ground? No. Okay. In dry land, I like the coulter better. That that makes it an easy answer for me. And pure sand, you could maybe do it and maybe use enough water to drive that potassium down. But if it was me, I'd be using a coulter. I just wondered, you know, granular products don't move in the soil. I just didn't know how the KTS moved. If it moved any better, not not great. A little better than dry, but but just not great. The sulfur portion, yes, sulfur that moves, but the the potassium portion doesn't move that much, especially in dry land. So, yep, if you can get it down in the ground, that would be great. So, to me, that means get on get it on sooner rather than later, to so you have less roots that you're going to potentially prune off. Yeah, well, we're in 22-inch rows, too, so that's my concern. <laughs> right, so you're going to go just right up the middle then? Yep. Yep, that's what I'd do. Okay, I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks a lot, George. Appreciate the call, and good luck to you. Hopefully you catch some rain, too, with that. That'd be that'd be helpful. Uh, let's head up to Saskatchewan. I think they got some rain up there. How you doing, Mark? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good, good. Did you guys get some moisture now? Oh, we're getting this the most beautiful rain. I know lots of guys don't want to hear that because they're probably not getting it. Oh, we're happy for you. Good in the northeast Saskatchewan. Yeah. We're we're not getting enough here, but we're happy to hear when others do. So that's that's awesome. I'm glad for your crops that that you're catching that. Uh, you know, when you think about that, as as you're doing a lot of these things, like George was talking about side dress. Um, I understand you you're considering doing a little bit of foliar stuff too. I man, if we get moisture, that really helps these things work. Mm-hmm. And 
this is for uh, this question's for field peas, so it's maybe a little out of your wheel, wheelhouse. But when it comes to like even soybeans, a crop that's fixing its own nitrogen with rhizobia bacteria, I know calcium is very important. And in this environment, I have lots of calcium in the soil. I've got high CEC, high pH, very heavy ground, and I'm always very deficient in my tissue test and field peas. And I'm considering doing a foliar calcium. You're, you're always some, deficient uh, on calcium. Let me get this straight, Mark. You're deficient on calcium in your tissue testing. You're deficient on nitrogen. Calcium. Okay. Okay. Great. Yep. And that's the challenge with those high calcium, high CEC, high pH soils is you've got lots of calcium, but it's just not tremendously available. So yes, adding a little bit more can be can be really beneficial. So could you just run me through a quick example of what you might do on, let's say, a soybean field where you're calcium deficient? Okay. Uh, well, there's a few things. One thing that we found that's worked really well, uh, and, and there are lots of different fertilizer programs out there, that we, we happen to work a lot with our agri-liquid folks here. We've got a great, great local rep that, that's been awesome to work with. They've got a product called Liberate CA, and Liberate Calcium has worked great for us. You can put it right on as a seed treatment even or drop it in furrow. And we're seeing that really help things. Calcium is a nutrient that uh, pretty much every nutrient other than boron, I believe, comes into that plant on the back of calcium. So if you've got good levels of available calcium, you can drive a lot of nutrition into that plant. So that's what I've used. I've put that in furrow. You could even do that foliar, I believe. Uh, so that, that would be something to, to get out there and try some, try some calcium of some sort. Yeah. I, I guess if I didn't know how to do it or didn't know which product's going to work, I'd try several different products and try them on a few acres and see what we can do to, to try and change things. Yeah. Well, I might have to get uh, the reps uh, number from Janelle maybe, and uh, just give them a call. Cause we don't have, uh, that product line up in Canada, but I'm sure we can get it. Sure. Yep. And I'm, I'm also struggling with boron, so that could be half my problem is I'm just not able to get the calcium in to utilize some of the boron applications I'm doing. Yep, I think both of those things would be good. I know we've got a lot of guys putting on molybdenum and boron foliar in in soybeans, I would imagine, in field peas. I, I know boron goes on, but I would imagine molly has to be helpful as well. Yep, and I want to do this with uh, a foliar phosphorus as well. I'm using monopotassium phosphate, just a food-grade phosphorus. Okay. And uh, have you ever used a mix like that with calcium, and what kind of rates are you think? No, a lot of times it doesn't mix well with calcium, so I would definitely do a jar test and, and talk to your fertilizer folks, too, to make sure those things are going to mix. That's been a, been okay. a little bit tricky. Cool. That's good advice. Yeah, I don't want to don't have a tank full of... Uh, <laughs> solid. That would not be fun. Oh, I just did one. It took me uh, six hours to clean out. That's the problem with experimenting. Sometimes it doesn't go right. Right, right. Yeah, I, I know it. That's and, and with all these things, we say start on a small scale and and make sure you're talking to somebody. And then the other thing too, have a compatibility agent on hand. We we use a product called Convert that's made by Precision Labs. That one's been really good for us. Uh, and then also water a lot of times ends up being a pretty nice buffer that uh, if you have a higher volume of water in the mix, that that, that can make a difference too. Cool. 
Well, thanks for the info. I appreciate you bet. It. Thanks a lot, Mark. Hopefully that rain keeps coming for you. Oh, she's looking good up here, I'll tell you. <laughs> Dang. I'm really jealous now. I'm really jealous. I, I hope we catch that rain too, but I am super, super happy for Mark. Thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Uh, got a got a question that came in. This is from Rodrigo, and he said, "You guys talk about biological products a lot on your show. Um, we've got a few questions for you around that. How, first of all, how do growers decide which biological product they want to buy or test? Is there any particular plant growth stage farmers prefer to use these biologicals? What what kind of average return on investment are they looking for when they're choosing these biological products in row crop?" And then also, does the price of the biological product matter? Okay, Rodrigo, we got several questions there around biologicals. And this is something we've been working on at our farm for a long, long time. And we've got a number of different products that we've found through testing. And we've certainly identified a bunch that did not work for us, too. So normally what we're willing to do is try things on a small scale and maybe, I mean, depending on the size of your farm, let's just say, for example, you had a thousand acres and you say, you know what, I'm going to try this on 50 acres over here and I'm going to try this on 50 acres over there. If it's a failure, it's not going to break us. So that that's kind of what we we try to use to decide this. We don't want to take too big a risk on any one thing just in case it doesn't work out. Uh, we've done a lot of different biological products at planting time. So many times it's in the furrow or it's on the seed or it's in a two by two at planting. That seems to be one of the best ways to introduce some of those biology things, but whether it's a bacteria or a fungi or whatever, if we can influence early growth, if we can influence root growth, if we can get fungal endophytes into the plant earlier, that usually seems to be a better deal. So I would say more times than not, we're doing it then, but there are some things that we're doing later in the season. There's a biological product called heat shield, for example, that we do use uh, at planting time, but but we can also use that in crop and try to deliver these fungal endophytes that help the plant with water regulation and heat and stress tolerance. And you could do that mid-season too. We're normally looking on these biologicals for things that will give us a three-to-one return on investment. So, for example, if something cost us $5 an acre to put out there, we want something that is going to give us a $15 per acre payback. So that's what we're shooting for. And obviously consistency is something that just doesn't happen. So some years you see 25, some years you see 10, uh, and it averages out, you know, at about a three to one. That's what we're looking for. And then does the price of the biological product matter? Well, it does to us when we're going to try things. So if something was very expensive, we probably would be less likely to try it. But uh, otherwise, if it does have uh, the ability to give us a really high rate of return, we'd certainly consider using it. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that, Rodrigo. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 